I apologize in advance for the creakiest chair <laughs> that I could possibly be sitting in, but it's the only chair option. Did you? You didn't have other chair options. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Chair, that's not an attack. I'm not dragging I'm, a chair okay. from downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's Amy Mann. And uh, what's your chair situation? You're not going to introduce me? Oh, we're introducing ourselves? Well, okay. yeah, I said that's Amy Mann. <laughs> I thought you were just being like, that's, oh. that's Amy Mann. <laughs> that's what you talking. get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you get on the art of process. You get Amy talking about a dumb chair. <laughs> and that's Ted Leo. I'm on a stool. Oh, really? I would have taken you for one of those ball guys. I got to get a ball. You're right. I need a ball. Why do I not have a ball? <laughs> The ball is very you. However, I thought the ball was debunked, like that there's something about the, why did people sit on the ball? And then whatever reason that was, I feel like it was debunked. (laughs) Isn't it just like for constant core strength engagement? And I feel like that that was like, no, apparently it doesn't engage your core. (laughs) It hurts your back. I don't know. I could be making this up. Perhaps we'll Google at some point during this episode. I'm imagining sitting on a ball right now and I'm imagining extreme core engagement. (laughs) Does imagining it count? Does that do any? Is that like isometrics? Does that do anything? This is like the worst uh, meditation visualization. <laughs> Imagine yourself on a large ball. Imagine constant core engagement. <laughs> Everything that I try to be aware of in a meditation becomes uh, like a tense, immediately tense. Yeah. I've made various attempts at meditation in my life, and I took a uh, course once that required some writing. And all of my writing was about how, you know, I just gave up trying to pretend that I was actually writing about meditating and I just wrote about how I couldn't meditate. I mean, you know, it's like the books that start about writer's block and Mm -hmm. how I have to write a book and I can't. Right. Songs about (laughs) rock. How do you feel about songs about music? I feel like I've probably written one or two, but in general, not a fan. Mm -hmm. Not a fan of the song about being on the road just because it's so hard to relate to. Having said that, I've written I've written a song about you know not being on the road but playing a show. Mm-hmm, that's true. And probably there's some road flavored things that are in other songs. Yeah, I've written some travelogy songs for sure, and I I think I have varying responses to the songs that are about you know being in a band because I think there are two kinds. I mean, I think there are kinds that attempt to you know use that experience to point to some more universal ideas yeah. that other people can understand and then there are those solipsistic things like nobody knows how hard it is like there was this whole era of punk in the late 80s and early 90s when bands that have been kids in the 80s you know were starting to grow up and like write about life on the road and it annoyed me to no end because they're all like this is our story isn't it so profound and i was like nah you know what i just did that last thursday like we all do it's what we all do we all well, also, do this, you know? <laughs> also, the problem with stories about being on the road, like most of what being on the road is, is monotony. Yeah. And wait, waiting around in a cold room on a gross couch. That's right. <laughs> That's, yeah. it's oh, the gross couches. I mean, I say that as a joke, but it's literally true. <laughs> the couches are all gross. If you get a couch, if you don't get a couch, you get two chairs in a room and there's like four people in the band and three mm-hmm. crew members and they're like, okay. Oh, 
good. I guess we'll rotate these chairs. That's why when I first finally got a hard guitar case, it really changed my life because that enabled me to have a self-curated surface that I could <laughs> plank myself down on when I when I needed to amid the grimiest floors and couches and things. That's your chair? You sit on a uh, chair, bed? On a, cou- on a case? I mean, look, probably the last time I had to take a guitar case nap was... A number of years ago, but... Well, I like the idea. I like to think that what you mean is that you curl in the case like a cat. Oh. Except I know that that's not what you mean. It's not. Because, like, <laughs> in the case looks cozy. Outside the case looks hard and unforgiving. Yeah. But better than the gross floor. That's right. Hard and unforgiving is better than stale beer and other things. <laughs> than sticky and gritty. Yeah. Speaking of songs about music, there is one that I really like, and I'm going to put it to you because it is adjacent to a topic that's been coming up a lot for us just in the last couple of weeks. Turn the page. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm kind of into turn the page, to tell you the truth. Like, there's something about it that I don't hate. I'm not conversant enough, but isn't there like a section where they walk into a diner and everybody stares at them and it's not a good stare? Oh, wow. It's got sort of a darkness that says to me... Maybe these people didn't enjoy being on the road Mm. as much as you would think. Well, you know, I'm pretty pro-Seeger, so I'll have to go dig in to turn the page. Oh, we've had Seeger discussions on stage. Oh, yeah. Night moves. Night moves. Great. Terrible Points way up high. Way up firm and high. I hate it. What is that? I hate it. I mean, I'm assuming that's like a nipple gag. You don't have to assume too hard to to (laughs) arrive arrive at that conclusion. You know what song I love? I, I would like to hear what song you love. Da, uh, Main Street. Down on Main Street. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. I think it's like one of those hooker with a heart of gold situations, you know, which is whatever. Fair enough. Right. But it's actually kind of a pretty song. Mm-hmm. That's got a, for a song with street in the title, I mean, that's got, it's got a little Baker Street vibe with the... <laughs> could be rendered in a Baker Street saxophone. What would that sound like? in a saxophone rendering. Pretty similar, I imagine. Yeah, kind of similar. I'm going to go on record as, this is controversial, this stance. Not a fan of the Baker Street uh, saxophone. Would rather have had a less intrusive guitar figure. I mean, I understand that everybody's like, no, it's really hooky. Like, yeah, it's too hooky. It's too hooky. It's too, it takes over the song. I agree with that. And also, that's not the tone of the song, right? Like, the yeah. tone of the song is, and then it's like, like, the tone of the song is kind of laid back, and then it's like, it's totally, I'm like, calm down, man. <laughs> Don't you think there's some equation, though, like some cosmic equation that says that any song that has the word street in the title should have something that at least approximates that kind of saxophone part? Absolutely. I feel like you've hit on a rule that we should enforce. Yeah, Even if you don't like saxophone, if it has the word street in the title, it should have a saxophone. I agree. Listeners, weigh in on that. You can, write, you can write us let you let us know how you feel about that also if you have a if you have a name for that cosmic equation maybe we can actually name it and uh maybe we can actually come up with a formula that can be written on a blackboard the formula of if a song has street in the title that it has to have a saxophone yeah or at least some sort of uh, mathematical or symbolic representation if street then sax yeah <laughs> Well, this week we're talking to Money Mark, Mark Nishida. He is a polymath, 
of an entirely different breed than all the polymaths that I'm even used to meeting. I guess I first became aware of him from his uh, many years of work with the Beastie Boys as producer and DJ. And then he also started putting out his own albums in the 90s at some point, which are really thoughtful, beautiful songwriting kinds of albums. Agree. Yeah, which came as a little bit of a curveball until I started looking at the whole W-H-O-L-E, that is Money Mark. It seems like he really has a lot of interest and a really just interesting approach to being an artist. His newest projects involve taking old or like archaic technology and somehow working them into the new world of recording and performing technology. So you'll hear us talk about piano rolls. At one point, there's a lot of noise because he's actually pulling some piano rolls out of a drawer. And I'll leave it at that to hear the way that he uses them. But I'll, I'll link to some videos of him working with his new technologies as well as to some of his music in the show notes. So definitely check those out because it's pretty amazing. That kind of time jumping, multi-dimensional thinking that is really amazing to watch someone do. And here's the multifaceted Money Mark. Mark, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great to see both of you. And you too. And uh, uh, it's an honor to do this. Oh, it's great to talk to you about, you know, the specific brief of what we're looking for, but also hopefully some will branch off into some other stuff. In the pre-recording, we were already starting to get into some interesting territory, so... You want to jump right in? Well, yeah. So it's a beautiful idea and it's a beautiful topic and it applies in a lot of different, uh, to a lot of different things in life, actually. And there's so many parameters involved here, you know. <laughs> I'm the middle child, so, you know, how does that play into right, things like right. that, you know. So, um, and that, that's, that, that's I, very real. But. In fact, and, well, yeah, in fact, Adam Grant wrote this book called Originals, and he talks about the middle child. And I think Jackie Robinson was the youngest child, and that's why he was able to steal more bases than, or, you know, to be a professional baseball player. Right. And so there's so many things involved there. But the, the process and the will, I think, are really connected. Yeah, yeah. You can think of anything and act on it. Mm-hmm. When no one's judging, right, at that mm-hmm. moment. I think what you're asking is, like, why does someone feel like they want to be an artist? Or why do they want to make a song? Or why do they want to make a painting? Or... What is this drive, you know? And that's a pretty, pretty cool thing. And it's also the idea that you're doing this podcast to talk about it. It's like super cool. Um, I don't really think there's like a real clear path that everyone has. Everyone has their own story about it. I think I mentioned that I was a middle child. And I think that was probably mm-hmm. for me. It was the, I was being middle. I was a middle child, and there were six ice creams in the freezer and. Three went to the older child and three went to the younger child. And I had to like do my thing. Yeah. You had, yeah. You had to find your own path. I mean, that's what it breaks down to at that moment. So for you, really the drive to be an artist. And what, what did you define that as? Like a, a way to express yourself, a way to set yourself apart, a way to get your needs met? Yeah, I didn't want to be a rebel mm-hmm. in the family. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of the family. And I think that's part of the need, right? I want to be part of this thing, yeah. you know? But because I was secretly kind of thinking that, boy, I really kind of don't need this, really. Right. Uh, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, there was a lot of exa- um, moments when I, like, I got to find my own ice cream. Mm-hmm. And how do I do that? Three ice creams went there and three went there. 
And so I really want an ice cream. Yeah. Right. And I got to find my own ice cream or make my ice cream. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What do I do? I got to make my ice cream or I got to make something almost cooler than those ice creams that were just like given away that they wanted those things. And that was me expressing like it was a, a way to say, hey, family. I'm here. Right, yeah. right. I make some cool shit. You know, I yeah. make better ice cream sandwiches than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Get two graham crackers and put it between some no Neapolitan. Or <laughs> and what at what point did the ice cream become music for you? Yeah, that's um well there was some technical things that happened on mm. the way there and so we can't discount technique. Sure. Technique is so important. Yeah. A- agree. Let me also just amend my own question there to say that I often get asked that a lot, you know, too. And there's no, there was no one moment for me, you know, there's yeah, no exactly. single fork in the road or something. It's a, you know, just a series of decisions and choices and interests and, or even like a vague leaning, yeah. like a vague, like maybe this would be a thing. Yeah. That's how it was for me for, you know, for a long time right. as a kid. Yeah. But what you're saying is, is true. It's not one event. There were a lot of events. There were a lot of, I call them nodes, and they're uh, really important for everyone's life, these special things that happen. If you start to make shit happen, if you start to like go out there and like make shit happen, and you're like furious at it, and you're like doing stuff, I think you're going to create more nodes in your life, and, and maybe you don't notice them. But if you are receptive enough to notice them, then there's an opportunity at that moment. I would love to hear more about the node idea, yeah. you know, like a, like a hub from which... From uh, you know what they say, good luck or, or luck, not mm-hmm. good luck. Because mm-hmm. good luck could be bad luck. You know, you could be in a car accident and that's maybe considered bad luck, mm-hmm. but you could meet the person, your partner for life there who was driving out of the car. You know, who knows? Right. Um, but their nodes are important um, kind of circumstances that start to converge. Mm. And uh, being receptive to, to that is, I think, actually being part of an artist. I totally agree. I really think being open to that sort of, the, you know, that energy, that opportunity, you know, when something's happening where you, that you could be a part of or somebody introduces an idea to you. I do think that's a huge part of being an artist, just like seeing it and going with it. Yeah. And there's a kind of a no judgment thing, which is to other people. Kind of, you kind of look weird to other people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Why are you, you're standing in the mud there? Mm. You know what? I love standing in the mud. Why? Why do you love standing in the mud? And they'll ask. <laughs> well, because I read about it in books. Like I, there were frogs and turtles, and you got you went in a pond or something, and you got stuck in the mud. And like, and now I'm stuck in the mud, and it feels amazing. <laughs> you know. You mentioned um, the idea of tech too and i mean do you mean that in terms of tools becoming available tools falling in your path yeah tech um well being in the mud there is a node right to me like and there's other these kind of other nodes i i mean i said a car crash that was like kind of extreme but it, it probably has happened and that in itself is like kind of un there are so many combinations with that. Like we, us being together, we were kind of involved in a node dead uh, when Molly called us right. and to, to begin part of her panel uh, for the South by talk. Right. And so that's how I met you. And then, but I knew about your work and then, and those are like mini nodes or something. I don't uh-huh. know. But being receptive to all that, but tech, 
Oh my God, there's too much to talk about about this tech <laughs> thing. Yeah, if you're gonna pick up the guitar, if you're gonna pick up the piano, or you know, there's there are all the unlimited amounts of worlds that are there. You can get to the top of that thing and and then use that for your expression. So the but the technology, if you're saying tech as a technology, I mean we've always had technology. We may not have had electricity. Um, but we've always had this force, and it really comes down to nature. I think this idea of nature being um, in tune with your life, you can be in tune with nature. Nature has pressures, this and that, and, there's, and we can get those and we can cultivate those. That's We're human, and animals can't do that. Humans can do that. But if you're talking about technique, yeah, technique is a whole new thing. It's kind of new. New thing to you? No, I, I think it's a new thing to the world. Mm. Yeah. We're living in an amazing time, um, good and bad. Now, at my age, is that playing to this side or that side? Right. Who knows? I, I can't really tell. For something like that exists like YouTube, I went on and saw Oscar Peterson playing the piano. And I was like, wow. I was learning things from the internet. Mm -hmm. Like I needed a teacher to teach me this 25 years ago. Mm. Yeah. And I was learning this now. So if you're talking about technology, that's different than technique and some other tech, you know, right. like Arduinos and making things and microprocessors and reinventing the world. Yeah. <laughs> what are the kinds of structures that you find really valuable? I mean, do you... There's uh, uh, ancient techniques that are the most valuable. If you plant a plant and you cultivate a garden, you're doing an ancient technique. Mm -hmm. We are evolved from human beings from a long time ago. And when we do those actions, our brains start to, these ancient brains and our, I don't know, I don't mm -hmm. know, I don't know technically how to say it, but, uh, you know, there's a part in our brain that will react to it. Ooh, wow. Pressure. <laughs> um, yeah, it, especially I think especially gardening, mm -hmm. it's like because you're, you're squatting and you're like the amount of time you're at the gestation of whatever that plant is, and they're all a little different, and you know you're having this relationship with everything uh, in the ground and in nature. This part of your brain kind of opens up, and this idea of meditation, I think that's that's super important. Let's take a specific musical project that you've worked on, like is. Your 2007 album. Mm. Is that a garden <laughs> plot? Is that a forest? Is that <laughs> one potted plant? You know, you know what I mean? Like, how did. Uh... Uh, that's an experiment. Yeah. That's a, I think I've never only done experiment. Uh -huh. I think I'm only now starting to do kind of a real thing, putting all the experiments together. Now. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now with this uh, piano roll project. But uh, I think there were always experiments. And I really can't say that anything was other than a sketch. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. Would you have continued to experiment on, on some of these things? Or did you feel that they were done at a point? Uh, I've never felt any of those things were done. I've mm -hmm. always even said in lots of interviews that there were always sketches. And I'm self-propelled, so I have to self-kind of called the end to something right, yeah. right and i play all the instruments i'm a multi-instrumentalist i play i'm alone in session. Right. i'm not like a play i'm right. like a painter mm -hmm. and i have to say like that's the last joke and i'm gonna go have a beer right we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back with more 
art of process. Here's what you have to know. Uh, we are the brand new kids on the Max Fun block, so we're hoping we get some people donating and saying that they donated because of us, and then we'll be big cheeses at Max Fun. <laughs> like, not even a big cheese, but like a medium cheese. We just yeah. want to be... I want to know that when I walk into the Max Fun office complex, um, the big shining glass metal skyscraper in downtown Los Angeles. You've seen it from the highway. It says Max Fun in giant letters at the top. There's a helipad. I want to know when I walk in that I might be able to walk out with like a free mug or something. Yeah. I don't be able to steal copier paper without anybody really batting an eye. That is the kind of regard that we are looking for. Your contribution directly supports our show. And we're here to entertain and provide the world with like a good and a nice rather than a stress and a bad like everything else in the dumb world right now. For me, I really like to know how people make and do what they make and do. And that's what we want to bring to you. We're coming to the end of our original batch of interviews that we have a little bit of a backlog of and that we've been editing and releasing via Max Fun for the last couple of months. So if you enjoy the show and you want us to keep doing it, please consider becoming a member because that will help us to keep doing it, do more interviews, get more interesting people, bring you more smart and fun and diverse voices talking about how and why they create. Go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. There's a bunch of awesome thank you gifts that you get when you sign up. There's all sorts of different levels. Starts at the $5 level and goes up to 200 for the different tiers of membership at which you get different types of thank you gifts. You can also make a one-time donation if that's where you're at right now. That's great. I think in the next break, we'll go through all the gifts. We now have some better uh, visuals of what those gifts are than when we uh, first started talking about this last week. And some of them look really amazing. We'll describe them in the next break. This is the second and final week of the MaxFund Pledge Drive. We have a goal of 25,000 new or upgrading members. If you're already a member, thank you so much. And for the ones who aren't, we would like you to join the community of members. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash donate, and it's all there in blazing color. really hard when you're doing it all alone uh well i take i take the cues from i take the cues from history i say that this is full like like this other thing Mm -hmm. this is full enough i don't want to go past that or you mean like a a particular project like an album like an album this is full full enough you Mm -hmm. know it fits into the scheme of Mm -hmm. like how full these other things are. And like, I gotta have fitting in, you know, and maybe that's the middle child thing. Like, I gotta fit in, you know, I have to do this. I, I really feel like I'm talking to you now in 2018 summer and I haven't really done my work yet until I really feel like I've ever just started it like a few months ago. Okay, that I think that really rings true, that idea of, of using... I've taken your cues from history, even going back to what we were first talking about, about it, how when you, when you begin to create, it's natural that there'll be some imitation, you know, whether it's something that's resonated with you or something that you're specifically reaching for. But, or imitation um, of, a fo- of the form. Exactly. Of the form. Yeah, that's imitation form. of the form. Right. Yeah, yeah. This might be a little too in the weeds of that garden, you know, past. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> but yeah like, hey, I'm down. Let's go there. <laughs> but um, 
Well, you do so much. I mean, even just in this conversation, you know, we've already talked about so much that you've done and the fact that you play so many instruments and et cetera, but that even that is, is largely experimenting up to a certain point in, in your life. I don't think that they've been jarring shifts in the course of your career, but in the subtle tacking, you know, this way or that way that you've had to do, have those opportunities been things that have opened up to you or have they been uh, directional choices that you've chosen to make? You're at the crux of it. It's, it's a hundred percent by design. Ah. I could have designed cars. Uh, you know, I could have been an architect and made this and that. And, that. I, and putting those two things, actually cars and architecture, like, well, I love those ideas. And I actually make songs like that. That's mm. fascinating. Like s- song structure, arrangement, chord progressions, you know, all the mechanics of writing a song. It doesn't sound like it's something you had to study. It's that, that it's something you, you innately grabbed and experimented with, like, just putting yourself within that form for a while. Yeah, I just build stuff. Yeah. And um, unlike you, though, Amy, and you, Ted, the lyrical content of a song is like, it's a whole other world. There's like two worlds on one to kind of try to, they're having this dance together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And when the dance is like perfect, it's like this perfect thing, you know? You guys have totally accomplished that. I don't know if I've accomplished that, but I, I think that I took the ideas of song architecture and I moved them to the rhyme, the Mm R-I-M-E. Not the rhyme, but the rhyme. And I really had to go down because to me it's electronic. Right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So I had to go right down to the basic thing before I could actually get it. And I I grew up in a... (laughs) It goes back to this idea of like where I grew up. Language and English language wasn't... The, the, the form of the English language that I have, uh, my mother was Mexican and my father was Japanese. So the form of the English language that I had there was from strictly from media. And I had to form this from Beatles songs and Beach Boys songs and Eng- English speak, you know, English mm-hmm. language. And I had to figure out, like, how can I get all that stuff and, and, and ingest it and then add this emotive thing to it? And that's that's the key thing there. Yeah. That emotive thing. The, the architecture had some emotion into it, mm-hmm. but the lyric thing and what I was saying and how it, how far deep down into my body and my soul, how far it was coming from, you know, that was um, that was trickier. Yeah, right? that's trickier. Fa- I mean that's fascinating. I feel like I mean, we actually were just discussing that there are f- phrases and idioms that that were like very moving and interesting, like both moving and interesting to us that, you know, we're like, wow, that's a, we're very struck by, by your language. Um, yeah. Did you find that for this album, especially that the structure helped to give you like a scaffolding within which to be emotive or was kind of an impediment? Would you like it to be looser or I, I don't know? Well, here, uh, what are we referring? What are you? Uh, I think we're talking about the, uh, we're talking about um, brand new by tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. here we go. Here's the key. And both of you guys do this well. And because, all right, here, here's my little segue here. <laughs> I was with the Beastie Boys for so long. Right. Doing, interfacing with machines. Yeah. Interfacing with samplers. Interfacing with technology, r- records, sampling from records. We had technology. We had a turntable and vinyl records, and we're finding parts that hit us emotionally. We're also finding parts that were like little drum breaks that we could like do. There were 
they're a bear, so we could add stuff to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the mindset in there, it's like your mind is like going in this direction. So the emotive things aren't, they're not really included in that, yeah. in, that in the mining of this idea. Yeah. Um, so when I made that record, I was going through a split up with a person. And that's the spark. That's like in, the inspiration. It was so deep. Yeah. Mm. So that I had to actually find a way. And I, I was a little uncomfortable. I didn't have to do that before. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I think one of your phrases that we both were struck by, I remembered, was the, um, you, you don't spark anymore, you resonate. I radiate. can't remember the... Yeah, Radiate, radiate nothing. nothing. It was radiate the nothing. most angry yeah. song I've ever written. Yeah. And that song on that record, I'm, you know, you've found the note of that album. Because mm-hmm. that note, the note of the Push the Button record is this song called I Don't Play Piano. And it's the right in the middle. I made sure that it was exactly set by seconds. It was in the, sec- in the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. Wow. But the Radiate Nothing song was about, um, well, there's two songs. And that one came out of, born out of the song called um, A Black Butterfly. Right. which was uh, this uh, writing technique of like you create uh, there's this thing called satellite you make a word and you have other words that connect to it mm-hmm. so the radiate nothing if you look at it you see the words in there dim uh, oh, everything to do with light right, right. yeah, yeah. Right. and, and uh, shine dim I mean there's seven or eight different words so I just came up with those words mm. and then I was like I put a little like <laughs> I put a little hate into it yeah. and, and I came up with the song called Radiate Nothing. You, and I tried to like do kind of the softest, nicest song I could ever do and make it the meanest song right. I've ever written. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well mission, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, Can, both beautiful and kind of chilling at yeah. the same time. There's like a yeah, chill. So, and a that, chill and then yeah. that person, that, you know, the person who's the subject of that whole record, you know, there's some cool, nice songs about like mm. how without you I would be nothing kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Can we talk a little bit, a little bit about that mining that you did with the Beastie Boys yeah. as well? Like, it was interesting to me that you say that there's not an emotional component in that because, or maybe you didn't phrase it exactly like that, but it, because... Uh, no, I think you're right, yeah. But even in the way that you just described it, it felt exciting and joyful almost. It is me, joyful. You know? Does that not qualify as a, an emotion? Um, it's, um, it's, it, it's a time when you can actually... Th- start you can think about other things too Mm -hmm. because the emotional thing just encompasses you it's all in every you know stitch of your body but when you're when you compartmentalize these kind of things you can kind of i can be in be in a restaurant or coffee shop or like i I, here's a quick little story i find magnets out of in microwave ovens in every microwave oven there's two cool brown magnets Uh but Sometimes someone will say, hey, I've got this microwave oven and I don't need it anymore. And I know you collect them. So, yeah, okay, cool. And I get so excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> and while I'm like taking it apart and finding that part in there, and there's some cool switches in there that I can use to mm-hmm. like build stuff. It's such a robotic kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Man, I can go anywhere I want with my brain. My body and my brain are connected but then they're not connected at yeah. that moment yeah i can just do the you know, this activity here and then i could be thinking about the kurt vonnegut book i just read or something yeah, yeah. does the mining for the sorts of, of music that you're making with the beastie boys 
Is that a constant flood that you're that you're pulling things out of? I or? have to admit that it was a very macho thing to do. Really? Yeah, because you're going out, you're going out and like trying to find that thing and mm. like yeah, put value to it. Like, yeah, oh, that's hey. really it's interesting. Got a yeah, it's got a collector sort of feeling. Yeah, right, it's like yeah. Right. Man. And then when those portable turntables came out, we went to Japan, and you know, you guys went to Japan and mm -hmm. had those Columbia little portable turntables, yeah. mm -hmm. and we were like, oh yeah, now we can. Now we can go into the record stores and play the records to see if we actually like them before we buy them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. It was That's so fantastic. macho yeah. and, and uh, kind of notorious yeah. and kind of disgusting. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I see, I see how, you know, I see how it could feel that way. There's a lot of privileges. And so it's like we sure. were able to move about. And I mean, that's kind of a giant topic, but I think. Uh, I mean, all the things that we're talking about of this process, idea of process, there is still with my guitar mm -hmm. and sitting, waking up and having a cup of coffee and then actually sitting back in the bed with the guitar and pounding out a song. Wow. But that only came later, actually. Wow. That came later after I knew about songs. Mm -hmm. That song, that kind of way didn't come later until there was like peace around me. We're taking a quick break and we'll be right back with The Art of Process. We're back to urge you once again to take advantage of this second week of the Maximum Phone Pledge Drive to become a member. I want to tell you what you can get. We want to tell you what you can get at all the different levels of membership. Basic level is $5 a month. Sounds basic. It's not basic at all. What you get is bonus content from every single show on the Maximum Fun Network. Yeah, so I'm on their page looking at this stuff. I forgot about the bonus content. Ted and I have recorded a song a while ago that was never released that uh, we're making available to people who become members, and uh, that's the only place you can get it. Sounds like this. Uh. Max Fun Exclusive. So if you like that three seconds, <laughs> sign up for $5 a month. You can get the whole thing, plus bonus content from every other single show on the network. It's like a thousand hours of, literally, I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. It's something like a thousand hours of extra content or something like Let's that. Let's just call it a squillion. Just to, it's a squillion. You know, just to round it, round it up. If I was excitedly typing that, it would be a swillion because I often mistype <laughs> the Q as a W. <laughs> it's like a swillion. For $10 a month, you can get a choice of 41 enamel pins. The Art of Process has a very cool pin. Yeah, we hope that if you sign up, you will choose our pin. It's a twisty horn. It's a cool twisty horn. Who doesn't want a cool twisty horn? Yeah. You get an official Letterpress Max Fund membership card and, of course, the bonus content. That's another thing to remember. At each of these successive levels, you get everything that came before it. So if you sign up for five, you get the bonus content. You sign up for 10, you get the enamel pin and the bonus content. Sign up for 20, you get one of Amy Mann's favorite things. Maximum fun jigsaw puzzle that we've been assured is challenging. Although it's, what is it, 550 pieces? Uh, I don't know. I think so. I think that I read that somewhere and I don't, wow. um, I'm not sure how to ascertain that. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm not looking at the actual, I'm looking at a completed photograph of the puzzle and it looks like it's Echo Park in Los Angeles. Is that what, I, is that what that is? Yeah, it's very cool looking. I'm a big jigsaw puzzle fan. Ted Leo is too impatient for jigsaws. <laughs> As we discussed last week, it's not that I'm too impatient. It's just that 
The thing about Jigsaw is it's like it's just enough work to keep your mind from obsessing about things that make you anxious. So it is a very nice relaxation thing. It's also f- nice to do with people because... Is there any way to make doing a jigsaw puzzle more aggressive with other people? Like, is there any way to add money to the... <laughs> add gambling to the thing? Yeah. Or like... <laughs> if we could add a gambling... Yeah. Maybe you should initial each piece you put in and mm-hmm. then like whoever has put in more pieces wins. Right. Ted Leo's just can't come up with a way to make a jigsaw puzzle competitive and aggressive. <laughs> I think that's what I've needed all this oh, time. Just low stakes. Up. Yeah, just make low a little, just put a few bills on the side and make it interesting. <laughs> yeah. It could be a couple of bills. It could be like, let's say you're having people over and you made cookies, you know, it could be... Cookie steaks. Whoever has the most pieces at the end gets the plate of cookies. Yeah, because at Ted's house, if you don't win whatever game is happening, he doesn't give you snacks. You have to earn your snacks. That is not fair, but it's I'll, not true. I'll, I'll cop for the purposes of this <laughs> pledge break. <laughs> uh, Thirty-five dollars a month, you get all of the above plus an engraved glass coffee mug. Now we got the puzzle. We got this great mug. We got a pin. Got a membership card and bonus content. Fifty dollars a month, custom metal Max Fund membership card, which is really cool. It's like an engraved metal card. Now, jumping ahead to the hundred dollars a month, I'm, I want to relate this back to the fifty dollars a month thing. Jumping ahead to the hundred dollars a month, you get membership in the Inner Circle Culture Club, which. Over the course of last week's episode, we figured out what that actually is. But initially, we were very excited about the idea that it was really just some secret society that had regalia and handshakes and hats. Now I'm realizing that maybe that's the metal membership card. That's your entry regalia into the secret society. You see someone else with that Maximum Fund membership card, you know. You nod and wink silently. Go, "Mm mm-hmm, yep kindred spirit in on the secret knowledge that shows like ours provide the cosmic equations of songs with street in it having to equal saxophone (laughs) (laughs) secret knowledge the hundred dollars a month is the membership in the inner circle culture club which is really interesting because every month one of the max fun hosts will select a movie or an album or a game or a book or some other piece of culture that they are into and they will send it to you yeah it's nice i really like the idea of somebody that i listen to and respect curating fun pieces of art or whatnot for me mm-hmm. absolutely it's how we find out about things and then it shows shows up in the mail and you have it you know you're not just told about it and you're like uh i guess i gotta go to the bookstore and get it no Right. It's right in your mailbox. You actually get it. And there's more to this as well. You know the gleaming glass tower of Maxfun HQ that I was talking about before? Uh-huh. Well, this is real. Apparently, your name actually does get engraved on an engraving plate that is permanently displayed in the office. Really? At the actual Maxfun HQ, which I've never been to. Oh, so my God. That's real. And then also... There's an annual get-together in Los Angeles the evening before the Max Fun convention. And uh, if you're a member of the Inner Circle, you get a, an invitation to that secret meeting. So all of this is turning out to be a, like an actual secret society. I know. This is practically like uh, Knights Templar. Ted, we need to develop a secret handshake. I, th- I agree. teach it to our members. I think we might need to have an adjunct secret society just for our podcast within this larger secret society group. Agree. Speaking of the MaxFun convention, at $200 a month, you get, once again, all of the above, plus complimentary registration to the MaxFun convention 2020. 
It's at Lake Arrowhead. I'm assuming that's in California somewhere. Yep, it's beautiful. Yeah, you've been? I've not been to the Max Fun Con, but I've been near and around Lake Arrowhead. It is a weekend for fans of comedy, creativity, friendship, and natural beauty. Registration is all-inclusive, food, lodging, entertainment, drinks, swag. It sounds really great. That's what you get for $200 a month and also our lifelong devotion and thanks. Think of these these secret society levels as like the actual good version of the world's know. elite uh, lizard people, flat earth, hollow earth, conspiracy people who are ruining our world. This is a chance to marshal the positive energy that you Max Fun listeners bring and heal our world amid the natural beauty of Lake Arrowhead. Yeah, if you've always wanted to be a member of, of a secret society, but they were always too creepy and dark, and you wanted a fun, light one, this is the one for you. Yeah. Become a Max Fun donor. We count on listener support. So we hope that you'll uh, join us as a member in the Maximum Fun family by going now to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Were you self-taught? Did you take lessons? Uh, I had some lessons, and the lessons that I had were freaking amazing. Mm. They changed my life. Wow. Yeah, at a young age. Wow. I had extraordinary teachers. I even um, wrote a letter to Robert Fripp to join the Crafty Guitarist, and he answered my letter, and I did a couple weeks with the crafty guitarist oh, wow that's in, in malibu yeah he was here in the west coast for wow. how old were you at that point i was like 24 years old wow. yeah 84 maybe to 80, wow. 83 and i learned so much then but then i was putting that together with all of the other things that we're doing i mean and about this topic about being extraordinary there's the i i don't think i needed any of that actually in the end mm-hmm. I probably could have found it and people who are trying to make music now Maybe we should be giving advice to those people or informing them that there are so many ways. There's not just this way that I'm mm-hmm. talking about. There's so many different There's ways. There's so many different yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, I create feedback, and feedback was... In, in, in a recording studio, feedback is considered the worst thing ever. The enemy. Right. Yeah, the, the most enemy. reviled sound, yeah. <laughs> right. as we proved just a minute That's ago. Right. Yeah. I love that we started out with feedback. Yeah, so yeah, when we started this podcast, Ted created some feedback. But I'll, throw, I'll throw some. I embrace feedback. So Anyway, so sometimes I'll find a note, and then that note becomes a whole song. So, mm. you know, I'm not discounting anything that's in yeah. the world. One of my favorite pieces of gear, my favorite... I mean, I consider it an instrument in a way, is an Echoplex tape machine because when you get that feeding back, the interface is so physical, dragging that tape head to where you want it, adjusting yeah. the the, right. the actual feedback and the, and the levels that um, something that was not necessarily meant to be used in that way becomes a whole new instrument, you know? It strikes me that you've probably been down that path with more than one. I, well, <laughs> uh, the, the path of things that have secondary or, or third, or, you know, just finding the <laughs> find the end of of uh, I, I can say this. There's always a secondary application for mm. anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe three or four after that. Maybe, <laughs> but at, but then there's some things that just go on beyond that, mm. yeah. and when you get to the other level, it's like, hey, it's another thing. Wow. It becomes a whole another world, right. and it becomes a whole another el- like a real element. 
feedback, I mean, it's in our lifetime, we have seen, I mean, a giant band like Sonic Youth, but then we see Jimi Hendrix kind of cultivate feedback, mm-hmm. right? And before Hendrix was John Cage cultivating feedback mm-hmm. and making making things with this idea of something that's wrong. Right, right. Right. Does that concept appeal to you in the moment, or is it well, something that sort of later on... You well, say, in hip-hop, you know, there's nothing that's wrong. Yeah. That's right. And uh, early on, there's like no wrong things. We're not actually musicians. We're just people who are making something. Mm-hmm. And a Stradivarius is equal to this feedback thing or the thud of a piece of wood falling on the ground. or you know, it's, Right. They're all equal. It sounds like you, because this is the kind of thing I would use to try to jumpstart an idea or, you know, get out of writer's block. But it sounds more to me more that you hear a thing and you just immediately have a bunch of ideas instantly, around it. Yeah. Instantly for hearing. Is it for, harder to make decisions about what to follow? Or, or is there always like an overriding idea that says, follow me, follow, um, follow me? I mean, I go by Sonnet 47. The heart knows, the eyes don't know, or the ears. Mm-hmm. If I put it eyes to ears, the heart only knows. Mm-hmm. So I just go by that. Yeah. I, I think, though, there are some techniques, right? There's tons of techniques. So you could use idioms in foreign languages, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think it's kind of all in you. It's like the David. It's all in you it's and you good. chip away at yeah. it. And chip it, the chipping away at it is the journey. And when you decide that you created something, you say, hey, that's done. And then it's done. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it took I love a long it. time to get here. I love it. I love it. It's interesting to me because it's totally different from how I work. And, you know, like even though we've just done a handful of these, it's already evident that there are all sorts of ways to approach being an artist and people have their own internal structures, you know, like we could use utilize the same thing, but I would I would utilize it, you know, in a completely different well, there's way. Well, there's yeah. there is, though, though, in every culture, there is a giant library of literature mm-hmm. that music or lyricists i think they need to know that that's part of the technique and you know earlier on i was saying in my family that's just didn't exist so i had to find it and i had to learn about it i had to look at the syllabuses of yeah. like yeah. all these colleges see what books that were there and kind of read those if i but i didn't have any like support behind all of that yeah. i could take it in and but i didn't have any feedback and Nowadays, we have the internet, we can have a blog, and we can look and see a chat or something yeah. like But in my formative years, I didn't have that. I was just reading Rossi Perry just on my own, and I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Yeah, you know, or just, something just like that. taking it in and, and, yeah. ha- and hoping it uh, germinates in some, exactly. in some way. That's fascinating to me, that the, the language thing, because, you know, your idioms are, are unusual and evocative, and it makes me think that that's, that's why, that you came at language from a couple of different angles that aren't the precise angles that we came at it from. Right, well, I had to get it from the actual lyrics that were, like, honed and carved yeah. and perfected yeah. in, so- in the finished song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your output resembles your input. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I love how it is, you know, takes some twists and turns while it's in there, you yeah. know, like before it comes out. And different twists and turns for different people. I mean, obviously, working in our various fields under the <laughs> current socio-political uh, milieu also pushes and pulls everybody a little differently. And right. that's been kind of interesting to hear, too. Not specifically like, it, it makes me want to make political music or whatever, but it does affect how one thinks about one's place in the world. Wherever you're living, 
geographically and where we are in this time. And if time is an abstract thing, we only, as human beings, we have a reference to what human beings have done before. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's kind of important to know the history of shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. So like mm -hmm. we can see that we walked down that alley and it wasn't cool. And maybe we shouldn't do that again or whatever, you know. Um, I actually have taken this model of history and looked at it and flipped it. And I flipped it. I flipped it to the most positive thing possible. A hundred years ago, the birth of all this crappy shit, there was the Asian Exclusion Act, you mm -hmm. know, and there was like crappy shit, you know, all this racist shit that was happening a yeah. hundred years ago. It's real. But I went there and I thought, what was the good shit? Well, we were all eating organic food. I mean, I'm just trying to extract yeah, like yeah, what yeah. was the best stuff that was happening there. This music, and I'm like looking at piano rolls. Mm -hmm. This music, these authors were like thinking, oh, we're going to live forever. We're and it's the highest technology ever. And we're going to make our piano play performance in this. And it's going to live forever and ever and ever. Yeah. This idea of the birth of what's happening now happened a long time ago, yeah. mm -hmm. in, in other words. Mm -hmm. And collective people didn't notice it and act on it. And that's kind of, I'm, I'm trying to deal with this idea, how the collective people move. In the very end, I'm just making music and art and, if that counteracts everything, you know, uh, my, my friend has a Moog modular system, a giant Moog thing, right? And then there's a little sticker in the front there. It says, this machine kills fascists. And you've seen that before, mm -hmm. right? This machine, this machine kills fascists, right? So that's the idea. Yeah. yeah. I can't go to every protest. I can't fly to El Paso this weekend. Yeah. I can't fly to, you know, wherever I want to. Mm -hmm. But I can't do it. Since the, the Melania jacket-wearing controversy, you know, I, I've been thinking that there is something that is very powerful in caring about what you're doing. And the care that you put into it is palpable and is a signal that caring is an active, positive thing that's exciting and that we should all be on board with. And that's why I feel like being an artist is valuable because it's not necessarily specific messages we may sing or say or whatever, but that we do a thing and that we do it with care, that we care about it, we give a shit. Um, to give a shit is important. We give a shit. We give yeah. a shit. We give a fuck, really. That's yeah. right. And, you know, <laughs> we give a fucking and, and shit. Fu and <laughs> we give a fucking shit and fuck you, you, you little shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that might be a perfect place to it's, stop. It's great. <laughs> okay. I do want to hear, I, I want to get into just a few minutes. I, okay. I do want to hear about the, what you're, where you're at now. You know. Yeah, where I'm at now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I uh, have taken this idea of, like, what, what was the best shit that happened in the last hundred years right. and then just get that and work with that we mm -hmm. had like the best stuff we were fucking amazing and i say we as a collective people on this yeah. planet yeah. earth and even now we have the t we all know people listening to this podcast or theoretically yeah theoretically <laughs> we all know we have the elements to turn this shit around yeah mm -hmm. that's right it's just all right there i mean it's not even a secret anymore 15, 20 years ago, we didn't know. This was like, how are we going to do this? Now we know how to do it. We can do it. So anyway, I just put my energy into this idea of like what has happened and I want to explore those and kind of explode those into the new thing. And I've found this uh, idea of piano rolls, people who were m using uh, technology 100 years ago and archiving their art 
I mean, we can we see paintings and sculptures that were dance that we will never know, right? Dance doesn't if we didn't record it on a video, right. but so in the medium of music, we're kind of fortunate. Mm-hmm. That's maybe that's all we have. Mm. Yeah. I, I, if you look at the trivian, like the old ancient studies, the Greek studies, there were only three things. There was like astronomy, music, logic, grammar. There was teaching music because music had everything in it right um so yeah i've been finding these pianos like i've just bought i find them on ebay or people give them to me now and they're they're codes they're these codes yeah, yeah. and i think it's kind of odd that they're in the shape of scrolls right it's I know, now i'm pulling out a piano biblical roll. it's amazing i don't even yeah. know what song this is right but yeah. if you put it on the machine it'll play something and it'll sound amazing. So I've been exploring this thing. I, I don't have to go deep into it right now, but yeah. yeah. No, it's fascinating. And it, speaking of the lost mediums that we that didn't have a recording component, and looking at the piano roll, it, it reminds me of um, a story you guys might have also read five, six years ago or something about something that was found in the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris. And it was an early attempt at a visual representation of sound waves. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah and, the, right. and it was like a cul-de-sac waiting for this technology that we're using right now that renders sound waves visually and reads them visually and right. puts them out. And for whatever it was, 200, you know, 250 years, it was just a visual medium. And then eventually, now it can actually be heard right. from what was formerly just a, just a visual medium and it now has an added component. Or we're now able to re-render the component. Re-render it, we yeah. With all these that. other new technologies, yeah. we're able to actually... But without those new technologies, it kind of just re- remains dormant. But we have these new technologies. In that, uh, I can tie it into this idea of process. We say, is this process, is what's happening now going to be important later on? Mm. Like mm-hmm. later, later, later on. Mm-hmm. Not, do these ideas, are they solid? Are the ideas, are they solid ideas? When we make songs, I think they are. Mm-hmm. If you commit yourself to this path, the path is there. We all we can just walk down that path, right? I don't know. I mean, when I talk with young people, I get so excited about, hey, I found out if you, this Keith Richards guitar tuning, I, I made so many songs like this, like... You know, with this, I made like five songs with this Keith Richards guitar tuning. Like, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. You know, like, I found a new thing and I did something with it. Yeah, that, you know, this process. So. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And thanks again to Money Mark, Mark Nishida. This is the last week of the Maximum Fund Pledge Drive for 2019. So we'll now be returning to our bi-weekly release schedule. As always, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and consider becoming a member of Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org slash donate. We will see you in two weeks. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.